This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com uh, Learn what, what one of my favorite svarim, which is the Kabbalah Yashar. A little bit about what he says. This is a sefer that was written about 300 years ago, 250, 300 years ago. A lot of Kabbalah. Um, his, this sefer was always found on the table of the Chidah and the Naim Elimelech. Very, holy, very, very holy, holy sefer. He says the following. V'yesh Kabbalah b'yadi. There's a Kabbalah, I have a Kabbalah in my hands. Kol Torah she'odam atriyach atzatzman l'chavod yom t'vshal Pesach. All the hard work that a person works l'chavod the yom t'vshal Pesach. V'hu oyeh. And he's tired. He's really talking about women. She's tired. V'yogeya. She's not as wiped out. V'hatoyot from the work. You should know. Azai be'esek zeh. Through this work through the work of cleaning for Pesach, you kill, you destroy all the mazikim that are called nigei b'nei adam, the plagues of the human being, or, you know, nigei is, is the diseases. Of course, we all know that if you, if you destroy nega, it turns to oneg. So, through the, the destroying of the nega, we have taka oneg yantif. You should know that a person who's Isaac in working hard for the Pesach, who misakin, he's misakin, he, he does a very, t- very big tikkun on his, on his neshama. Okay. That's how we begin. Then he says the following. He says that the night of Pesach, right, this is brought down from the Zayah. Misaira, the Nimsa Zivak, we're going to talk about this. Misaira, it's woken up, the Nimsa we find, Zivig Elyon HaKadosh, we find in Shemayim, the great Zivig of the Elyon HaKadosh. Uvahatzois HaShulchan, when you set the table for the Seder, Vahatseba, he called it, Haseba is the leaning of course, when you set the table for the Seder, some people set it the day of Pesach, some, most people set it the night before. Shemitzayrin Umiyafin HaSiva, when you make beautiful, when you set and you make beautiful this Seva, this, this, the Seder, like the way of the minig of Klai Yisrael who are holy. What's the kavana, ladies, when you set the table for Pesach? What's your kavana, right? So most of our kavana is that you look really nice when the guests come. It should look really nice. He says, no, that's not the kavana. Iker kavana, sarech l'saken hasiva. The reason you're setting the table, l'chvayd hakadosh baruch hu ushchintay. For the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, and we're going to see soon that actually to everyone's Seder, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, the only time he really like comes into your house sort of with his Malachim, he comes to every every person's Seder. So when you set the Seder table, you have to have in mind that you're setting the Seder table for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'yal came, and therefore, Chalila v'chalila, Chas v'shalom, L'sakein ha'aseba to set the seder table ayidei shifranachris through a maid, through a non-Jewish maid. Chas v'shalom, he says. Ki imdafka Yisraelis. It has to be done by a Jew. Umatoiv ma'ay. He says, and it's much better ayidei Yisraelis hatzahayra mitumasanida that the woman who sets the table is tahar from tumasanida. He says, and even better than that, 
It should be done through a young girl who was never Tameh. That she never, never saw Nida. Pshita, he says, it's Pashit. That this is much better and much more praiseworthy. That the person who should set your table should be a girl who's under 12 years old. Who was never a Nida or a boy that was never Tameh. On the bottom, in the Kavanaki, it says the following. The Kach, now this is what the Kavayosha is saying about his Rebbe. So it's even before 250 years ago. The Kach Noyag Meiri Rebbe. This was the Minag, the custom of my Rebbe. Lachsar Acha Besula, to find a young girl, Shalei Royas Edayin, that did not ever see Nida, Shihi Tisakin Haseba. She should set the table. But if not, if you can't find such a girl, someone that's that's absolutely tahar, and he brings it down from a psich zuta and hilchas nida, simen kuf pehe, whatever. It's very hard to understand what's going on over here. We don't have this for Shabbos. There's not such halacha for Sukkis, for for Shavuos, for Shabbos, for Rosh Hashanah, that such a person should set the table, that you have to find a young girl who's under 12 years old to set your table. Right? By the way, I do that every year. I try, my granddaughter, whatever it is, I try to find someone that, that Taka was never, cause he, for some reason he's saying over here, I mean, there's something going on over here that we don't really understand that has to be such a kadusha setting the table. Who cares who really set the table? You know what I'm saying? Setting the table is so important. I'll explain, I'll, I'll explain to you why. Al Cain, therefore he says, Tzarech Leimeh Shivas Vishizbachai Shal Isa the Simcha Uvegila. That this night of, 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 by the Seder, you should be, you should be singing Shirais Vishishbachais with great, great happiness. The Loyla Harais, Shumle Ragas. Ladies, you're not allowed to show that you're in any way a rush by the Seder. No one's allowed to show that they're impatient or that they're in a rush. He says, and the Zoyar brings this down in many places that specifically want to talk about why, that by the Seder, you should show Hashem that you're not in a rush and you're singing Shirais, Vishesh, Bachais and you're happy about being there and you're not looking at your clock, let's finish at 11.30. No. No. You have to be sitting there and you have to be enjoying it. We're going to explain everything at the end in one point. That it's a chiv on every person, on every Jew, to talk about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. And many of the Swarm bring down, this doesn't mean just talking about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. Just talking about what happened thousands of years ago. But people should talk about their Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. My grandmother, Rochelle, who went through the Holocaust, used to always at the table, especially Pesach night, she really didn't talk about it a whole year. When it came Pesach night, she spoke about how she got out of the Holocaust. My father-in-law spoke about on, in the, the last days of Pesach, how he got out of the forest at the end of the Holocaust, mm-hmm. that a person should not only speak about the Yitzhiah Mitzrayim, but his Yitzhiah Mitzrayim, what you went through this year, where you thought you were a slave to something, or you were oppressed, or you didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and all of a sudden you had this big Yeshua. So it's not only to talk about, and sometimes you don't want to talk about it to the people at the table, you can talk privately while you're reading the Megillah. You can thank Hashem for the, the Mitzrayim that you were in. Mitzar means 
close, narrow. Meitzah means to be narrow. All the narrow places that you were mentally and, and emotionally this year that Akash Baruch Hu took you out of, it's a, it's a mitzvah to talk about that also by by Sipa Yitzhiyah Svitzrayim. So he says, it's a chiyav on kol adam l'sabi Yitzhiyah Svitzrayim, ube'esha sipra hu oisav Akash Baruch Hu l'chol pamayushalom. When you're sitting in your house and the Kindlech and you are saying the Haggadah and you're talking about Yitzhiyah Svitzrayim, God in Shemayim gathers all the angels, his whole kingdom in Shemayim. And he says to them, Come, let's go. Let's hear the praise that they are happy through the, through the redemption of their master. So all the malachim come, and they praise God on all the miracles that Hashem did for Klaistrol. And I'll explain to you this through a story. And all the malachim come, and they admit to Hashem, you were right. You were right. Your nation, Klaistrol, is an Am Kadosh. Why? Because they're happy about the simcha of the gu'ula, the redemption that their creator did. Oz, I don't know what this means, but the Zayr says this, I don't, can I explain this? Oz, this, by, by, by sitting by the Seder and talking about Hashem, gives in Shemayim a krayach and a gavura, an awe. And I'll try to explain it to you a little bit. The Yisrael, the Sipahu, and Yisrael, Klai Yisrael, through Speaking about Hashem at the Seder, nice and clearly we them. Give power to our Creator. And all the worlds, you fear our The explanation a little bit to understand Hashem doesn't need our Kayach. He doesn't need our Kayach. What does that mean that we give Hashem Kayach and Gvura? So it explains like a king. A king, so let's say he has all his, his ministers with him. And he comes into a big hall, right? And all the people, when they see the king in the hall, Everybody gets up and bows to the king. So, so it adds power to the king. In other words, to his ministers, it's like, whoa, look how, look how all these millions of people are bowing down to the king. He doesn't need the kayach. The king doesn't, he, he's the king with them bowing down or not. But it adds awe to his kingdom. This is what the Zayar is saying over here. The malachim are seeing, he doesn't need us to give him kayach. He's not weak and he's our kayach. But the malachim are seeing that his, his nation is talking with such awe about him. That gives Hashem's malchus awe in the next world. It's a crazy kayach that we have. We have Pesach night. Still, what's going on over here? What, what is it, all this awe and why is he coming down on Pesach night to our houses? And why does the girl have to set the table? We'll see in a minute. He says, Beloy, Lamer, Bimihiris, make sure you don't say that God the fast. And it shouldn't seem to you like a load. This whole shopping for Pesach and baking for Pesach and coming to the Seder table and all the cleaning and everything. It shouldn't seem to be like a load. Why? Because at the end of tonight you'll understand that the night of the Seder, the night of Pesach, is the night that a Kurdish Baruchu proposed to Klai Yisrael. And that's why it says Bichipazan, and I'll explain it later. But we actually got engaged. The, the Erison, the Shtar Erison, the Erison we got was Pesach night we got engaged. And Shavuos night is when Hashem put the Chuppah over us, the, the Harsi night. And that's when we got married. So, when you're preparing for your Chasen, to come for his first meal at your house, right? Your first Shabbos lunch at your house. 
shopping on Friday and buying the food and cleaning the house and and or every and, and, and buying the flowers and making your mother crazy. Those are not nice enough, and that's not. And it's becher. You should have bought a bigger becher. And and you, you're so excited. You don't mind working. Just the opposite. It's not working. The chutz is coming to the house, ma. It's not clean. Oh, that dish is. You never cared if the dishes were clean. I know, but Chaim's coming to the house. I mean, come on. We got to make sure everything's clean, right? That's the feeling that a person has to have. Pesach by the Seder. That a Baruch Hu, who's the chassan, is coming to the house. And therefore, if it looks like a load on your back, oh my gosh, the chassan's coming to the house. I can't believe I have to set the table. That's not a good relationship. Something's very, very wrong. If the kala feels the first time the chassan's coming to the house, oh my gosh, I really have to set the table. Come on, let's use plastic. Uh-uh. Um, nothing wrong with plastic. Don't get me. Don't don't yell at me. Right? What I mean, the chutz comes down. I think we should use china. You know what I'm saying? Not plastic forks. We want to a little bit impress him, right? So 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 no one's gonna no kala is gonna complain that I had to work to prepare the table or to prepare the house for the chutzim. Okay. And now he says something very scary. He says the following. He says, but I want you to know, a person who feels that the Haggadah is something like he has to carry on his back. It's a weight. Just let's get finished with this. You know, when the kids, all the little kids come up, your grandchildren and your children, they come to the Seder and have all these books. First grade and second grade and third grade with books, with, with a hundred vatoyers on the Hisham, then four hundred vatoyers on the word Kadesh. And you sit there and you can't even get started. You're like, okay, let's sing Kadesh or Wait, wait, I have a Devatorah. And you're like, oh, we're never going to get through this, right? So what do you tell your kids? Listen, vatoyers by the meal. Right? We have to read the Haggadah. When we get to the meal, we'll, 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 you'll say all the advice, knowing that, of course, by the meal, everyone's fast asleep, right? So then the kid's like, okay, okay, it's the meal. Can I say, oh, listen, it's already so late. Tomorrow, by lunch. And then by lunch, you're very tired because you're up so late for the Seder. So it's like, Shabbos Cholomite. And by that time, he lost his cheshik already, right? It's very hard. He warns us. And he says, Abu Misha Haggadah Daimalev Lamasa. A person who feels that the Haggadah and the Seder is a weight, and you feel like you have to go through this, you're being forced, oh my gosh, another Seder, we gotta do this again the second night, and, and, and can't we just, can't we get to the, can't we get to the food already? Like we have to hear all these stories, right? He says, I want you to know, or you sit there very out of it, very lazy, and you're not happy to be at the Seder, and your heart is not in it. He says the following, Azai, I want you to know, you will not be If you will sit by the Seder like it's a masa, like you don't want to go through it, then anytime you're in danger and you need God, whether a person's sick or whatever it is, and you need God to do for you a miracle, He will not. Now, it's an interesting thing because I'm writing a book, which, Baruch Hashem, we're almost finished, which I've told you on, on, um, on Akar Satov. And there's a very fascinating halacha. We came across a halacha that's very, very scary. There's a halacha brought down that if you know that the person you're going to do a favor for is not going to appreciate it, you're not allowed to do them a favor. So if you did this person a favor twice and they showed no appreciation whatsoever, then you're not allowed to do them favors anymore. It's a halacha. Why? Because Because you are causing him to be a kafri toe. You're doing him a favor. He's not thanking you. So he's a kafri toe. By Hashem, there's nothing worse than a kafri toe. So better, don't do him a favor. If you don't do him a favor, he's not a kafri toe. You didn't do him a favor. 
But if you do him a favor and you know he's not going to appreciate it, you're not allowed to do him a favor. It's a big chiddush. Because you're going to cause him, you know he's not doing a fa- he's not going to thank you, so you're going to cause him to be a kafei tov, which may eagerly sit there in front of a blind man, don't put a stumbling block. What are you putting him in such a position for? Don't do him the favor. That's the halacha. It's in my book. And I quote it where it's from. It's, it's amazing. So I was thinking maybe that's the Kavayasha saying here. In other words, if you're sitting there and you're not showing, I'm sure maybe this is where it's coming from because it's very hard words that he's saying here, right? But if you're sitting by the Seder, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, He took us out of the Holocaust. We're all sitting around the Seder table. I mean, Baruch Hashem, we have some food on the Seder table, right? And your family's sitting there. You're not in the in, 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 you know, in, in the Holocaust, right? You're not in a concentration camp. You're sitting there, and you're not thanking Hashem for Yitzhiya Mitzrayim? You're not thanking Hashem that we're alive and, 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 and flourishing? You're a kafri tov. So the person who sits by the Seder, and he doesn't thank Hashem, is like, oh, I can't wait till we get finished with this. This is such a pain in the neck. I am so tired. So you're a kafri tov. So next time, when you're in danger... And you need a nace. You need God to do a nace. Hashem knows this person has no appreciation. He sat by the Seder. He doesn't appreciate anything that I do. So if I'm going to do him a nace, he's not going to appreciate it. If he's not going to appreciate it, I put him in a position where he has to have the most appreciation. I made a miracle. But I know he's not going to appreciate it. I'm not helping him. So the Kabbalah Yosha says that a person who sits by the Seder and doesn't show Akar Satov, he's not into it. When he needs God, he will not help him. That's what he says. I'm, I'm reading it. I'm not my threat. It's what he says. For a person who is a couple of tub, he's a couple of tub. I'm not going to help him. So it's very, very important that we understand what this night is all about and that there's no rush. I mean, if, if I had anyone at the table past four o'clock in the morning, I would stay there later. But I'm the only guy left at my table. Four o'clock, they're all falling apart, right? Well, we don't finish before four o'clock. Never did I, my, my whole life, I was by my father's theater. Whoever finished before three, four o'clock in the morning? There's no such thing. Okay, I can't say we were there were very makbar on, on Afi Kaiman. Right? But even if you're makbar on Afi Kaiman, so then save all the Torah for afterwards. It's, it's, I saw in a safer, it's more important than, than staying up Shavuos. It's much more important staying up Shavuos. It doesn't say anywhere that the Chachamim stayed up a whole Shavuos night. And most Rebbes and people don't even stay up a whole Shavuos night. But it does say that the, 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 the Tanom, that we're in Bnei Brak, Right, it was my Kriyashma, and they were still talking about us. They were still, they were, they were still Mitzrayim. So we see, right? A, we see from our Haggadah that there's a crazy Indian about staying up a whole night. That they were up a whole night, and their Talmidim were up too. They just said my Kriyashma, but it's a given that they were up a whole night talking. So what, what are we getting finished at eleven thirty, twelve o'clock? They never. They have this reform Haggadah that they sell in shop by the wall bounds. I don't know where they sell it. The 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 the, the thirty minute seder. It's the whole thing from beginning to end to 30 minutes. How did I know that it was not orthodox? Arba Bonot instead of Arba Bonum. They wanted equal rights. Interesting what the Russia, the Bonot looks like. It's funny, but whatever. But Lamaisa, Nebuch, that's, listen, Nebuch, you know, equal rights. What do you mean, Arba Bonum? Arba Bonot, right? But they, they already cut it down to 30 minutes. Cut the whole city down to 30 minutes. So, so what's going on here tonight? What, what's really going on here tonight? So there are many kashas. There are many kashas on the, on, on, on the Seder. One kasha is, how come Moshe name is not mentioned at all in Nagada? It says, Vayimino Ba Hashem Moshe Avdo. That's it. 
It's the only time it says Moshe's name in the whole Haggadah. Moshe is the main main person in the Haggadah. See, it's Mitzrayim, the Makosh, Kriyas Yapsov. Nothing. The main man, the main person, that's the main person for the Jewish nation, in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, he is not mentioned once. In a, in a way of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Just for you mean, that's what it says in the passage. Okay, that's what it says. But what, why isn't he mentioned? Paro's mentioned probably a hundred times. Uh, Lavan's mentioned who knows how many times. Moshe Rabbeinu is not there. How come Moshe Rabbeinu is not there? That's one question. Another question is, the Jewish people were supposed to be very hidden with our silver and our money and everything else. And tonight, in the night of Pesach, we have to put everything out on the table. We have to show all our silver, whatever you have. Whether you're using it or not, if you kashered it, kosher Pesach, that's what the table. You're supposed to walk in there, that table is supposed to be like the table of kings. What's, that's not, that's not usually what we do. Also, it's a very, very big thing. About our children tonight. Shavuos, you don't keep the children up. And Sukkis, you don't keep the children up. Tonight's a very big thing. The whole Afikoman, right? The whole Afikoman is for the children. So, what's going on over here tonight? What's going on on this night? Manishtana. So the Torah says as follows. The Torah tells us that Kleisra went out of Mitzrayim in a rush. And that's why the matzah on their back. By the way, it's a very big misgiving that the matzah baked on their backs. Right? We all learned that in school, that the matzah baked on their backs. Do you know what? You know the temperature it takes to bake matzah? You ever see the oven? 500 degrees, I think? Or maybe maybe 250 degrees? Whatever it is. It's a lot more than any human being could walk through. So people have this picture that the sun came out in the desert, and it was 400 degrees, and all of a sudden matzah was baking on their back. If matzah was baking on their back, then they were baking with it. So, you have to look it up, what it says. And it says, the, the, the dough did not rise on their back. But where did they bake the dough? Actually, where they baked the dough was either, it's a machlekes, when they came out of Mitzrayim, it was either in Ramses or the place after Ramses. So the dough didn't rise, but then they took it to ovens and they baked it into matzah. If it would have baked on their backs into matzah, then they would have been a matzah too. Because the degrees to bake a matzah is extremely, extremely hot. Why did Hashem do this to us? Why didn't He tell us a month in advance, Chayisrael, in a month, we're going out of Mitzrayim, prepare. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Kachatzois Halayla, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Chayisrael, says, get your shoes, get your, get, get, get your sticks, get your clothing, get, you know, no one had time to make bread, no one had time to bake, no one had time to, to pack. Out! Why did Hashem give us 30 days advance notice? In a month, we're going to leave Mitzrayim. Then we could have had cucker's cake and seven layer cake, right? All the ladies would have cooked. We would have pastrami sandwiches. It would have been a gishmaka, right? Okay, Yitaka would have been a big problem. It would have been a big problem because you know how Jews travel. You go to any of these parks, right, where, they, where they, we go. So three kids pile out of the car and 16 boxes of food. You got the matzah, you got the peeled apples, you got the tuna fish, right? And the guy, the, the guy must stand by the park, they're like, it's an invasion. Are these people moving in for three weeks? Right? So maybe Akash Baruch Hu understood that if he told us a month in advance, we would have had like 4,000 donkeys, you know, full of food. We would have never made it to Hasinai. Right? But that's not really the reason. What's the real reason? Why didn't he warn us? Why didn't he tell us? This is a very deep answer. And the answer is that Akash Baruch Hu Chai was, he said, he told by the Brisbane of Sarim, 
these are my children, this is, this is my kala, and as we say in Shir Shirim, and in 400 years, in Mitzrayim, I'll take them out. But 210 years in, into Egyptian slavery, we hit the 49th level of Tumah. And when we hit the 49th level of Tumah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu realized that another day in Mitzrayim, we're on the 50th level, we'll never come out. So it's, it's sort of, the Zaire explains, it's a little hard to understand, because Hashem knows everything, but of course we spoke about this, He knows everything only because that's what happened. So there was a moment in Mitzrayim that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not grab us at that moment, He would have lost us. And I was telling the girls today in seminary, you know, I have a lot of Talmudim that are boys. And my rule is you have to go out ten times. After ten times, that's it. You better know. Both of you better know, right? Ten, eleven, twelve, nine, in that range. I got guys that go out fifteen times and sixteen times. I'm like, no! You know, propose, let's go. What are you doing? You know, what do you think's gonna happen next date? Right? And they're like, Rebbe, I'm not sure. They have commitment problems. Right? So I call up the girl and I say, listen, there's only one way to get this, only one way to get this guy to commit. Next date he takes you out. Tell him, by the way, you know, we're going out a long time. My mother told me yesterday that the Shatchan called that this superstar, this guy that everybody wants. He's, he's, he's handsome, they're very wealthy, he's a big town. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants, and he just came on the market, and they read him to me. And my mother said that, you know, if you can't, if you can't commit, so you know what, I understand that you can't commit, so let me just go out with him once. Let me see what he's like. And the guy's like, I'm one knee in a minute. Please, will you marry me? The minute he thinks he's going to lose him, huh? he commits. Until he, th- right? It's very, very deep. Because Baruch thought he would lose us. So he wasn't going to wait 400 years. That night, if we hit the 50th level of Tumah, he didn't have Kaisal anymore. So it's a medrash. It's a fascinating medrash. So Baruch Hu at that point said to the Malachim that I must take my, I must take the Kala out of Mitzrayim. Now, there's no time to wait. If we wait, we lose her. So the Malachim, Samedrish and Shmos, the Malachim said to Baruch Hu, you can't take them out. You're the Kohen Gadol. You're Kaddish, you're God. Mitzrayim, it's filthy. Full of Gilulim, it was the most immoral place in the world. The Shechina can't go into Mitzrayim and take, the, take, you, take them out. We will go for you. And we will take them from Mitzrayim to Harsinai, and you'll meet them in Harsinai. You can't go in to become a Tama yourself in Mitzrayim. And Akash Baruch Hu said, and we all say this, we scream it, we say it loud, by the Gada, Ani, Velo, Malach. Ani, Velo, Shliach. Ani, Velo, Saraf. Akash Baruch Hu said, no. No. When it comes to taking the Kala out, you do it yourself. No Malach, no Shliach. No saraf. <coughs> For instance, so I was telling the girls today, imagine this girl knows she's getting engaged that day, right? She went downstairs, she saw her mother having the flowers and the cut cakes and the fruit going through the side door to the basement, and she's like, ah, he's proposing. They're making the vote in the house tonight. She knows, but she doesn't tell her mother. She sees all the guys going in through the side door, and she's all excited, so she knows tonight he's going to propose, right? So 7 o'clock, he's supposed to pick her up. So she's like, all dressed, she's like, I'm sure he has a big surprise, but I'm not surprised. I saw everything that went through the side door. I know already what they're doing, right? 
delivery the whole day. Your mother's saying, nah, it's not for you. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Seven o'clock, the doorbell rings. She's all excited. Her husband's name is Moshe. He's coming to pick her up. She, he's he's going to propose. Rings the bell. Who is it? Chaim. Chaim? Who are you? Um, I'm Moshe's best friend. She's like, Moshe's best friend. What could he want, right? Could you open the door? She opens the door. There's this guy she never saw before, right? Chaim. He gets down on one knee. Chaim gets down on one knee with a ring. And he says, I am here for Moshe. Will you marry Moshe? She looks at him and says, if Moshe wants to marry me, let Moshe propose. You go back to him and say, no shliach messenger friend is proposing to me. If he wants to propose, let him propose. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Malachim. He said, I'm going to propose to Klai Yisrael. I'm going to send a shliach. I'm going to send a bunch of Malachim into Mitzrayim. It's a medrash. That's how I'm going to propose to Klai Yisrael. Ani v'loi Malach, ani v'loi Saraf, ani v'loi Shliach. I will go and propose to Klai Yisrael myself. So the Malachim said to Hashem, but you're a Kayin. And if you go into Mitzrayim, you're going to be Metana. This is a medrash. You're going to become Tameh. So Kajmoch who answered them, don't you know the halacha if there's truma, truma is for a kayan, if there's tahor truma in a basic forest, in a graveyard, right? So the kayan has to go into the graveyard, become tameh from the graveyard, and save the truma. Because the kayan can become tahor after a day, but the truma, if it becomes tameh, will never become tahor again. So the kayan has to be matam himself to save, he can be matam himself to save the truma. So Kajmoch who said, the Klai Yisrael is my truma. And I am the Kayan. And I will be Matama myself to save them. That was the love that Akash Barku had for us. So they asked Hashem, but if you're Tameh, how are you going to become Tahar? And whatever it means, the Medrash says, Hashem said, don't worry, Aaron Akayan will take care of that. What that means, how Aaron Akayan can be Matama, I don't know. But that's what, that's what the Medrash says. So Akash Barku came into, into Mitzrayim himself. No Shliach, no Malach, no nobody. And the Shechina came to Mitzrayim. And he took us out of Mitzrayim. And there was a moment of Bichipazon, where the Chassan said to the Kala, no, 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 no. You can't bake now. You can't cook now. You can't get your clothing together now. we got to get out of here now, because you're in danger. And if you stay here, you'll never get out of here. On the other hand, Klai Yisrael, the relationship in those times, and that's what this night represents. What was the relationship? Okay, that's an unbelievable story. Because Baruch fell in love with us. That moment he said, I'm taking you out myself. On my wings, I'm, 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 I'm pulling you out of Mitzrayim. Beautiful. Well, what, 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 and we didn't deserve it. We're in the 49th level of Tumba. We didn't do tshuva. We weren't tzaddikim. We were in the lowest, lowest level. So we, we turned to Hashem and said, alright, actually we didn't even turn to Hashem. Hashem said, Lech teich acharai ba midbar. I'm a chassan, but I have no house for you. And I have no car for you. And I have no clothing for you. And I have no food for you. I just have a love for you. That's it. Leich teich acharai ba midbar. Go in with me into the midbar, into the desert. There's nothing there. Yelet shashuim. And what did Klai Yisrael say? We're going. Hashem didn't promise us money. Hashem didn't promise us food. Hashem didn't promise us anything. He said, just follow me out of here. I want to save you 
to be my kala. And Kaisrol in turn, that night, turned to Hashem and like a unbelievable kala said, I am with you. We don't need anything else. And continued that later on by saying Nasev and Ishma. You have to understand the level that Kaisrol, even though we're on the 49th level of Tumah, as far as as, as Abu Dizar was concerned, listen, a whole nation, you have to promise Esau and Amalek and, and Canaan, would you would have to promise to take them out of a triumph, right? He said, I'm taking you to a midbar. I'm taking you from the fire. What's the saying? Right? From the fire into the fire. I'm taking you out of, I'm taking you out of being slaves. At least you're getting food. And I'm bringing you to a midbar where you're getting nothing. And we said, we're with you. The Neuidika Marshall. Beautiful, beautiful Marshall. Of this whole story. And the marshal is of a king who <coughs> is a very young king and they want him to get married. And in those days they have this arranged marriages where they take them to other places to get married so that the two countries are put together. And it's, the, the, the king is now, he's the prince, the king, whatever, he's 22 years old and they decide it's time for him to go across the world, marry this princess and his country and their country will be the two together, will be the biggest country in the world. Everybody's excited put him into a coach with a bunch of soldiers and they're on the way across to meet the princess and they're going and they come through this village very poor village on the way and there's a blockade in the middle of the village in the middle of the road something broke down and the king's in the coach and he's sitting waiting and they're trying to clean the blockade and he has his soldiers around him and all of a sudden he sees on the side of the road a girl in the mud <laughs> dress is ripped hair is filthy She's full of mud, gook, doesn't look like she took a shower in, in years. And she has her hand out. And the coach has stopped and she's like, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Could you give some charity? Just a penny, just a penny, just something. And the king turns to one of the soldiers that are on the next, on the coach and he says, what, 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 what is that? And they say, it seems to be a very poor peasant girl. He says, get her up, bring, bring her to the coach. And they pick the girl up and they bring her to the coach. She's filthy. And he looks at her and he says, what's the story with you? This is my kingdom. What are you doing on the floor? And she says, my king, my king, I'm really sorry for bothering you. I didn't realize that it was the king. I'm just, I'm just very, very, very poor. And I used, to, I used to drag water for the village to make my money. And then my back broke sort of. I, I can hardly walk. So I just, I just couldn't anymore. I just fell in the mud and I have no more strength. If, if you could just give me a penny or something so I could buy some food. And he says, give you a penny? Get into the coach. And the soldiers are like, no, 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 king. We, we know you're a good guy, but this woman cannot, she's filthy, she's dirty, she's a peasant. She can't sit in your coach. I mean, we know you're a good guy, you have a big heart, and you read a lot of books, but no, this is not, you're the king, and you. We, we have a trip to make, and she can't sit in this coach. We'll wash her up, we'll take care of her. We'll give her money. You don't have to worry about her. We'll give her enough money. She won't have to ever work. We'll take care of her. But she can't go in the coach with you. And he's like, I'm the king. And you have to listen to what I say. Put her in the coach. And they pick her up. And they put her in the coach. And she's sitting there. She won't even look at him. She's filthy, filthy, filthy. And he looks at her. And he says, tell me your name. She says her name. And he says to the horseman, he says, turn the chariot around. We're going back to the palace. And they're like, what do you mean we're going back to the palace? We got to go get the princess. He says, this is the princess. And they're like, no. No, no, you don't understand. Hold on. And they call like the assistant to the king and he comes to the, he says, what are you doing? He says, this is my princess. And they're like, no. 
It's very nice. You read this in books. It's very romantic. This doesn't work. She's a peasant. She's filthy. She doesn't even know what a kingdom is all about. She doesn't know what a palace is all about. She probably has no manners whatsoever. It's very nice. We will take care of her. We will clean her up. We will dress her. We will put her in a beautiful house. She cannot be the queen of this land. And he's like, I am the king. We're going to the palace. And they turn the chariot around and they go back to the palace. And of course, they walk into the palace and this girl's walking all filthy and everybody's talking. King cracked up. He's Mishig. He brings home a, a filthy peasant. What is he doing, right? He pulls in the chambermaids and everybody says, I want you to take her to my mother. The queen's not alive anymore. To her room. Shower her perfume. Makeup. Do her hair. I want you to get one of my mother's gowns. I want you to put it on her. Tonight at 6 o'clock, I want her sitting at the dinner table. The whole place is going crazy. Oh, but he's crazy. What is he doing? I mean, I mean, this, you know, this happens in the, in the movies and in the books. This is not real. She's a peasant. You don't bring a peasant into the kingdom to become the queen. You don't listen to nobody. Of course, they bring her to the, to the six o'clock. She walks in there. Everyone, she's gorgeous. She's everything that he thought she would look like. And, and she sits down and they're all whispering like, wow, but she's still a peasant. And of course, when they serve the food, she doesn't even know how to hold a fork or a knife. She starts eating with her hands. And the second to the king says to him, he says, you see, I told you, she's very pretty, I agree with you, but that's not what, that's not what this is all about. You have to know how to run a kingdom if you're a queen. The woman's eating with her hands. She can't be a queen, she's a peasant. And he turns and he says, we got time. We'll teach her. We'll teach her how to eat with manners. We'll teach her how to be in the court. We'll teach her what it means to be a queen. And then I'll marry her. And she becomes the queen. His right hand. And everybody lives happily ever after. Very well, it's a very nice story. It's good we took a break from cleaning. He gave us a nice little story here. Now we can go back. What are you, what are you telling us this story for? It's It's exactly what happened in Mitzrayim. You have to look at this Medrash. And the Medrash says the following. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to his Pamal Yishamayla that I'm going down into Mitzrayim and I'm taking out the Jewish nation. The Malachim said to him, says the Medrash, them? They're slaves. They're on the 49th level of Tumor. They're, they're slaves. They're nobodies. They're filthy. They're muddy. They're dirty. They're on the 49th level of Tumor. And on top of that, they're peasants. They're 210 years in slavery. If you're going to pick a nation to be yours, pick the Mitzrayim. The Mitzrayim were the lords of the world. The greatest army. Nobody ever escaped Mitzrayim. If you're going to pick a wife, pick a wife. Pick a princess. Pick royalty. What was the royalty in the world? Mitzrayim was the royalty. Mitzrayim was the richest country. And the most powerful country. And Hashem said to the Malachim, No, Klai Yisrael. But they're filthy. And they're dirty. And he said, that's right. We'll take them out of the mud. We'll take them out of Mitzrayim. We'll clean them up. We'll bring them to the mountain Taira. We'll teach them how to be the Kala. Or the master of the world. How to be a person in this world 
that represents God's kingdom. And we'll teach them the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah. We'll teach them the guide on how to be the wife of the king. And that's the secret of the Zayar and the Kavayasha. Every Pesach night, Hashem gathers all those naysayers and all those doubters who thousands of years ago when He said He's going to take this girl out of the mud and He's going to make it His wife. And the Malachim said, them, slaves, on the 49th level of Tumah? And Hashem said, yes. Because when you wipe away all the dirt of Klai Yisrael, when you wipe away all the filth and the dirt that covers us, what's underneath is the most beautiful nation in the world. And therefore, on the night of Pesach, ladies, when we sit at the Seder and we talk about the Chassan, <coughs> if you looked at the Lushan, what it says in the Kabayasha, it says, not only do the Malachim admit to the greatness of God, but the Kabayasha is very clear to say that they admit, the Malachim admit to the greatness of Klai Yisrael. What does that mean? That they admit to the greatness of Klai Yisrael. And the answer is, they were the doubters. They were the ones who said, she's filthy, she's dirty, you can't bring her home. She's not. And Hashem said, no, this is my column. So now, because Baruch Hu takes these malachim and says, look at these beautiful Jewish kindleach. Look at this nation. Look at this beautiful girl who I picked to be my kala. Look how wrong you were. And that gives covet and awe to the Melech Malachi But if you sit there by the Seder and it's a masa and I can't get ugh, so hard and I'm so miserable, then the Malachim say, we were right. She was muddy outside, and she was muddy inside. She was a slave, and they're still slaves. They're slaves to their videos, and they're slaves to all their Narish titans, and they haven't changed. They're sitting by the Seder table, and they're talking politics, and they're talking real estate, and they're talking business, and they're talking Lashon Hara, and they're talking everything else but what they're supposed to be talking about. And the Malachim say to Hashem, you were wrong. Mud on the outside, mud on the inside. So it says you have to be very careful how the table is set. And you have to be very careful what's being said at the Seder. Because the Kishbor who comes to every house to prove to the naysayers, to prove to the Malachim who said that we don't deserve to be the princess, Hashem comes to prove that we do deserve to be the princess. Chas v'shalom of in that house, Hashem is embarrassed, so to say, in front of his Malachim when they say, you see, we were right. You should have married the Egyptians. They would have treated you right. The Jews, they're in a rush. 11.30, they want to go to sleep. It's a very scary Zayar. But it's a very real Zayar. And that is why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in the Haggadah. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was the Shatchan. Moshe Rabbeinu brought Klai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu together. But everyone in this room knows that once you're engaged, you drop the Shatchan. <laughs> Seriously, this is not my answer. This is what's brought down in Chazal. There's no reason to talk about Moshe Rabbeinu. In fact, if you're going to sit by the Seder and talk about Moshe Rabbeinu, it's an insult to the Chassan. What, what, what are you talking about the Shachan for? I'm here! I'm here! The Chassan's here! And you're talking about the Shachan? You're talking about my sister, Elisa Elephant? Right? That's what you're talking about? The Shachan? When I'm here? That's what you're telling your friends about? How great the Shachan is? 
Instead of how great the chassan is, Shabbenu, you have no place at the Seder. You're very important in the Torah, but you have no place in the Seder. The Seder is on such a level, it's on such a level, that it's just zivug. Zivug has no room for a third person. Zivug is a man and a wife. Third person is adultery. There's no room for a third person, and therefore, there's no room to speak about anything but HaKadosh Baruch Hu by the Seder. There are people, I saw in a Sefer that's brought down, there are people that only speak Lashon HaKadosh by the Seder. They don't speak English or any other language. They only speak Lashon HaKadosh. Not every Lashon HaKadosh. That's all they speak by the Seder because the Shekhinah is there. You only speak Lashon HaKadosh. Most of us don't have such a good grip on Lashon HaKadosh so we speak whatever language. It's fine. <coughs> but that's how Kaddish it is. What's the proof of a good marriage? What's the proof? How do you bring two people together and make them one? Really, you can't. They're two different people. How do two people become one person? There's only one way. Through a child. A child that walks the earth is the combination of the mother and father. There's a very beautiful poet who wrote, even after the mother and father pass to the next world, they still walk upon the earth because their child is still here. The child is made out of the two of them and Hashem. So even after we're gone, after 120 years, our child is here who's made out of the two of us. And then they have children, our grandchildren, who's made out of the two of them, but they were made out of the two of us. And the continuation, the continuation, we always walk the earth through our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. So the consummation of a marriage between two people is their child. The destruction of Mitzrayim was Makis Bechayros. Because the consummation of the Mitzrim and the Ravoy de Zorah was their children. So Kirsh took that first child that made them one the first time and he killed all of them. On the other hand, the consummation of us and Akirsh Baruch Hu is our first child. And therefore Akirsh Baruch Hu specifically saved all the Bechayrim of Klai Yisrael because that, through our children, we become one with God. It's desire. So therefore, there's nothing more important on the night of our chassan who says, I married the right girl, which was Klai Yisrael. There's nothing more important to him than our children. Our children are the consummation of that marriage. And therefore, the most important part of your Seder is not the father to say Advatayra, but for the children to say Advatayra. Because that's the actual consummation of us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why we have the whole thing of the Afikoman, is to keep them up, right? So that they're looking for the Afikoman. It's not for tonight, it's much deeper. Afikoman, the whole, the whole thing of the Afikoman is, it, there's a lot of Kabbalah on the Afikoman. One of the points is brought is, it, there's different minhagim, right? One minute is that the father hides it, the kids look for it. And one minute is that the kids hide it and the father looks for it, right? But the mice of the real minute, or the first minute of Afikoman is that the father hides it, then the kid, then the kid finds it, then the kid hides it, and the father has to find it. Whatever. But that the, the father hides it first. Really the father is supposed to hide it first. And the kids are supposed to look for it. Why? So it talks about that at the end of the Seder, at the end of the Seder, we missed Hashem. Hashem, we saw him by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we saw him by Kriya Samson. But at the end of the Seder, the father, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, hides the Afrikoman. And Klai Yisrael, it's our job, the children, to look for Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Afikoman represents the Shechina. And we're supposed to look for the Shechina and Kodesh Baruch Hu is teaching us that if you look and you search, you'll find. And when you find, 
I'll give you a present. It will definitely be very rewarding. So the deepness behind it's not just a game. The deepness behind the Afrikaner is actually, we're looking for the Shechina, we're going around, you should go around with your kids and say, okay, the Shechina's hidden, let's go look for the Shechina, under the blanket, under the pillow, the Shechina's everywhere, let's see if we can find them. And when you find the Afrikaner, it says, just like you look for the Afrikaner because you want a prize, every Kindlech needs to know, if you look for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, every person needs to know in their Neshama, if you look for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, under the pillow, in all the hidden places that he's hidden, Hashem guarantees you a prize. For sure. There's nothing after that. There's nothing greater than looking and finding HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's nothing after that. That is the greatest level. That is the highest level that a person can reach. That When he looks and he seeks and he seeks and he seeks till he finds, you hit the top. That's the top. There's nothing after that. That is the top. That's the representation of the Afrikaner. And that's why also it says that you have to make believe like you just, like your mom is leaving Mitzrayim. That we say that, right? What do you mean I have to make believe like a mom is leaving Mitzrayim? So Rav Shimshim Pinker says it's like when you, when you want to show your grandchildren or you want to show your children, maybe your grandchildren, so I want to, I want to show them that I got married, right? They're like, Tati, you know, Zadie, let me, let me see the picture of your wedding album. Right, you open your wedding album, and it's like, wow, you were so young. Wow, look at her, right? And, and, and how come my mother's not there? I'm like, it doesn't work that way. If I just got married, your mother, I'm talking to my grandchildren, your mother can't be, you know, in any of these pictures. I just got married. You have to, it's hard to explain to grandchildren. You're like, how, where's mommy? Where's all my aunts? Where's everybody? I'm like, not yet. This was before them, right? But anyway, you take out all your pictures and you go through them. We look so cute and we look so young, and, right? The, the night of the Seder, you have to make believe that you were there. That you were by your engagement. So it has to be much like a picture, like you were in Mitzrayim. So you have to picture, that's the mitzvah. You have to picture, many people go around with, on their shoulder with a pillowcase, right? You have to picture, Ki'ilu, I'm leaving Mitzrayim. I'm showing the film of me leaving Mitzrayim, of our engagement. Look, I am at the engagement. That's why it has to be Ki'ilu, like you left Mitzrayim. It's, it's a replay of this crazy moment. And of course, it's Leil Shimurim, because the night that Chassan gets engaged, of course, he's going to watch the kala. So it's a Leil Shimurim, leave your doors open, leave your windows open. But, it's a moment when Hashem fell in love with us, but we didn't earn it. Marriage, you have to earn. Marriage is part of, right, what did, what did you do? You got down on one knee, you said, will you marry me? Your father bought you a ring, a diamond. What did you do for this girl? Did you do anything? Did you ever work for her? Did you ever do anything for her? You did nothing for her, right? You had your father's credit card, you went around, you took her out to eat. What did you do for her? Why is she saying yes? What, what does she deserve you for? And vice versa, what did she ever do for you? She bought your clothing, she cleaned the dishes, she did your laundry, she cooked for you. What did she ever do for you? So she didn't do anything for you, you didn't do anything for her, and, and you're saying, will you marry me? And she's saying yes. Why? Lama, no one did anything for anyone yet. The answer is, fell in love with each other, and they see potential. This could, we could, together this could work. But when does the work start? Marriage. When does the preparation start? When you get engaged, you don't have a wedding date, you don't have a house. Oh, now you're engaged, you got to buy a wedding dress. And you got to find an apartment. And you got to find furniture. And you've got to find a kailel or find a job, depending on what he's doing. Right? It's very nice. After the engagement, you sit down and you're like, okay, now we got three months. we got to do. We got to put this marriage together. So it says, the night of Pesach is just like Rishbuch fell in love with us. And we fell in love with him. Hashem said, we're out of here. And I'm not even telling you where we're going. I don't even know where we're going. I mean, I know where we're going, but there's nothing. It's a desert. And we're like, wherever you go, we're going. doesn't make a difference. I'll tell you a story that I know very well. So there was this rich family. And they were very worried that everybody was after their son because they had money. 
They didn't know if they really, if the girl really likes him. Maybe he just wants to right? So the father decided he's going to play a trick. So the night that they were supposed to get engaged, everyone got together. You know, before they get engaged, the parents are talking, and the girl's sitting there, and the man, and the boy's sitting there, and the parents of the girl sitting there, and the father of the boy turns to the boy and he says, "So, how are you going to support her?" And they're all figuring that for sure he's going to work for his father, right? So the boy doesn't know what's going. He doesn't know what his father's doing. He's like, "What do you mean, Tati? I'm going to work for you." And the parents are like, "Yeah." And all the parents of the girl, "Yeah." And the father's like, "I don't have a job for you." I don't have a place in my company for you. Ah, it's very nice, but did you go to college? No. you have any training in any business? No. How are you going to support this girl? I'm not giving you any money. I'm not giving you a job. And everyone's like turning white. And this little girl who's like 17 and a half years old looks up at the father of the boy and says, after we get married, it's really not your problem, Mr. So-and-so. It's really my problem. And I'm not worried about him. He will make a living. I am not worried about him. And the father's like, really? So, how are you going to pay the rent? Like, where are you going to live? And she's like, in a log cabin. In a tent. It's not your problem. It's my problem. And the father of the boy says, Mazel tov. I like this girl. <laughs> she's real. Because who came to us and he said, I'm taking you to the midbar. <coughs> I'm not promising you anything. And Klai Yisrael said, that's enough. That you're taking us out. That's enough. It's an unbelievable, crazy, not normal relationship that happened on the night of the Seder. And we relive this every single year. It's the greatest, most Kaddish, thicker night of the year. And it's very hard to understand. There's a lot of paradox. And I'll finish with this. I want you to take home a lumdashit vatayra to say at the table, blow them all away. All your kids and brisk and everything, you're going to blow them all away. I'll tell you a very short vatayra, but it's so lumdish. So a girl asked me last week, what's lumdish? How do you translate lumdish? I said, there's not really an English word, but this is what it means. <laughs> That's lumdish. So there's a lot of paradoxes. And I wish I had more time tonight. But, you know, matzah... Marar, which is bitter, and, and lechem oni, and then you, lean, then you have wine, and you have dipping. So you're pretty much all mixed up a whole night. Am I a king, or am I a poor man? Right? And we know, how do you know what's, what's rich? When you lean, right? So marar, when you eat your marar, you don't lean. When you eat your matzah, you lean. Why do you lean? Matzah, you, you open up holach ma'anya. Poor man's bread. So it's poor man's bread. Why am I leaning like a king? It's not king's bread. It's poor man's bread. I'm not telling you the answer. You'll find it on your own. It's, it's another 45 minutes here. If you have a chance, I said it, I'll, you'll hear it on Call Alashan. It's a very long answer. To make a long story short, the bottom line is that we are on the 49th level of Tumah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us Matzah, which the, which the Zayar calls which Lechem Demneim Nusa. It was bread of Emuna. We were going out without anything, right? It was bread of Emuna. And now, we're in such a bad place, right? On the, whatever level we're on, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, eat that Matzah which was the matzah that got you out of that depression, out of that mitzrayim. And if you eat that matzah, your neshama will remember that taste of the matzah thousands of years ago, and it will it will remind your neshama of you leaving mitzrayim and everything that happened. And therefore, even though it's lechem oini, it's a bitter pill, it's a bitter medicine, but the bitter medicine is the medicine that saved us. So the same, even though it has a bitter taste in medicine, it has no, no sugar and no eggs and no nothing, but that's, that's the lechem de menusa. When we eat it, it wakes up on a shaman. But I want to just tell you a very fast, and I'll let you go. You must say this over at the table. 
and you're going to stump everybody. Listen to me carefully. So we sit at the table and we take the mara and we dip it in the charoses. Right? Why do we dip the mara in the charoses? To make the mara sweet. Shulchan Aruch says, what's charoses made out of? Apples, nuts, and red wine. Swadim is dates, nuts, and red wine. Okay? Why do we have the apple and why does it look the way it does? Because it reminds us of the bricks. Everyone knows that, right? Sometimes it tastes like bricks, depending who made it, right? But it's not supposed to taste like bricks. It's supposed to look like bricks. Why do we use red wine, ladies? The reason we use red wine is to remind us of the blood of the children that were put in the walls when they made the bricks. So when they they had to make a wall of a building and they didn't finish what they were supposed to, they didn't have enough bricks. They took a baby, a live Jewish baby, stuck him in the wall, cemented him, and watched him die, and bricks, baby, bricks, baby. It's worse than the Holocaust, really. To have all these Jewish babies crying till they die, you couldn't feed them nothing, watch them die, they, they, they cemented them in the walls. So in memory of that, the blood of those babies, we put red wine in the charoses. Excuse me. If that's the charoses, bricks and baby's blood, why would I dip my mara in that? My mara is not as bitter as that. Mara is by mara chayayam. They whipped us and they beat us and we were slaves. That's not as bad as baby's blood. So you're taking mara and to make it sweet, you're dipping it in baby's blood and altogether, why would you make the charosa sweet? If it reminds you of the children's blood that were in the bricks, you should pour vinegar, red wine vinegar. It should be so bitter, it should be more bitter than the mara. How is charosa sweet? I want you to ask this question at the table. I dare anyone at the table to answer this question. People are like, ah, I never thought of that. It's a fantastic question. It is a very big question. And the Territz is as follows. In the Shulchan Aruch, it says, <coughs> there are three mitzvahs, there are three things called the cardinal sins that you have to die for. Shrikas Damin, murder. Adultery and avoid the Zara. So if someone comes over to you and says, I'm going to kill you unless you bow down to the avoid the Zara, you have to let them kill you. You cannot bow down to the avoid the Zara. Someone says, I'm commit adultery, I'm going to kill you, you have to let them kill you. And if someone says, Esther, kill Miriam, or I'm going to kill you, you have to die. But what happens? You can't. You, you know, the guy comes up to you with a gun and says, bow down to the avoid the Zara, and you don't want to die. Like the Moranos, right? You don't want to die, and you bow down to the avoid the Zara. Are you chayev? Did you do an Avera? Shulchan Aruch Paskins, you did not do an Avera. You should die for the cardinal sins. But you can't say that the person did an Avera. He had a gun to his head. So he was a Ma'anes. He was forced. So therefore, really, he should have died. But, he was a Ma'anes, therefore he's Pater. So, if someone puts a gun to Miriam's head and says, Miriam, you kill Esther or I'm going to kill you, and she kills Esther, she walks away free. She should have died. That's what she should have done. She did the wrong thing, but you can't punish her. She was ma'anes. There was a gun on her head. Okay, that's the halacha. So the Medjish says the following. When the Mitzrayim, when the Jews were going out of the Yam, and the Mitzrayim were going into the Yam, they were in the Yam, because Baruch Hu said to the Tsar in Shemayim, the Tsar of, of Mitzrayim, I am now going to destroy all your children. Your children, the Mitzrayim, threw my children into the Nile River. Now, Mida Kinege Mida, you drown my children, I'm going to drown your children. So the Tsar of Mitzrayim said to Hashem, you can't. 
Because you have to keep your own rules. And your rule is that you're right. When Paro told the Mitzrim to throw the Jewish babies into the Nile River, or they're going to, or he's going to kill them because they're rebelling against the king, they should have been killed, the Mitzrim. But they didn't. Instead, they threw the children in. But your halacha is that Ma'anes is potter. So since Paro told the Egyptians, this is what you have to do, and if you don't listen to me, right, you're going against the king, I'm going to kill you. So really, they should have died, but they didn't. They killed the children. Your halachin, your own Shulchan Aruch says that a ma'anes is potter. So you can't punish my children, the Egyptians, for doing it. They have no choice. So the Medrash says that Hashem said, he has a very good taina. Let them pass through the yam. We can't drown them. It's the Medrash. They know how to learn up there. Even the malachim of the bad guys. So it says the malach Gavriel flew down to Mitzrayim. It's Medrash. Clear Medrash. Took a baby out of the wall flew back up to Shemayim and took the baby, he says, and threw the dead baby at the legs of the Kisei HaKavoy. And Hashem said, what's this? Hashem knew what it is, but he wanted, what's this? And the Mark of Real said, these are the babies, the Jewish babies, that the Mitzrim put into the walls instead of bricks. And Hashem said, and who told them to do that? Did Paro tell them to do that? No. Paro said, throw the children into the Yamsuf. Paro never said, if there's a brick missing put a dead baby in the wall. So as the Medrash, as the baby was laying at the Kisar cupboard, Hashem said, Kola'em, wipe them out. Everyone, dead. And that's when the waters came down on the Mitzrayim and wiped them out. So in the end, if it wasn't for the blood of the dead babies in the Charoises, in the bricks of the wall, Klai Yisrael, would have been wiped out by the Mitzvah because the Mitzvah would have come right through the Amsaf. So what saved us was the death of the babies in the wall. So even though it's the most, the most horrifying, terrible thing that happened, but through that came the Yeshua of Yisrael. And therefore, it has to be sweet. Because something as bitter as it is, if through it came the Yeshua of Yisrael then there's a sweetness to it. What is a better way to sweeten a person's bitter times and hard times? The only thing that could sweeten a person's murder in his life is the understanding that as bitter as it tastes and as bitter as it, lo- as it looks, the bitterness is going to be the Yeshua. The gullus that Klai Yisrael is in and all the suffering, kids off the derech and divorce, everything that we're going through, all these terrible things that we're looking at. Oh, look at this mara. It's in the middle of the Seder plate, your mara. Oh, the whole world is mara. The whole thing is bitter. So how are we going to make that sweet? All the pain Klai Yisrael is going through, all the pain each one of us has in our life. How are you going to make that sweet? Dip it in the charoises. Dip it in the blood. Dip it in the bricks. Because in the end of the day, if you understand that the pain brings the gain and the pain brought the Yeshua, that will take the tip. That will take the pain out of the marah. And that's why charoises has to be made with red wine. And that's why we dip the marah in the charoises. My bracha to everyone here is chasal sedepesek yo chasai. You should tackle all your cleaning, should pay off. He says here, he's going to read it to you, he says that every bead of sweat that falls off a lady's face or head, wherever it is, 
is considered like a tear in Shemayim. And we know that the Shari Shemayim are not clothed for the tears. Sometimes it's very hard for us to cry. Some people can't cry, but we can all sweat. Everybody can sweat. He says, very befeirish in the Kaviyasha, every bead of sweat Hashem looks like as a dimma, as a tear. As a person's tear to Shemayim. May Hashem hear all our cries. All your, all your Pesach should be mamish like the halacha, should be clean, should be kosher. This coming year, we should be free. It's an interesting Russian free. Right? It says this year we're Meshubadim. We are slaves to the internet. None of you, of course, slaves to our taiva, slaves to a lot of things. So we say that this year I was a slave, Hashem. I was. I had addictions. I had all kinds of stuff, Lashon Hara, whatever it was. But Lashon Haba doesn't mean Mashiach. It means next year we should be free. We should have the true freedom. The true freedom of the coming of Mashiach. Lashon You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.